Life, purpose, truth. Every day we ask ourselves the meaning of these words. To a lot, they are separate, but in reality they are one and the same. In this journey of life, we are in search of purpose and truth, but all we really need is Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. My name is Gabriela Undweche. Welcome to Truth. Welcome to MF. Hello, beautiful people. How are you today? I guess the thunderstorm decided to enter this intro with me. <laughs> but yeah, it's raining. And how are you guys doing? How have you been? Happy weekend. Um... I apologize for recording this late, for actually uploading this late. Due to um, technical issues, I have not been able to record. And it's funny that I will start going, you know, I'll start becoming inconsistent when I just resumed recording. I just resumed season two. So I apologize for my tardiness. So um, if you are like, every human being no not every human being every nigerian who would buy a drug and um not read the leaflet inside or you would buy something and you won't check the expiring date before using it or get a new equipment and you won't use the manual and you just go straight to assembling the stuff and you don't even you don't even know how to do it but you're just doing it. You didn't read the manual, but you're just doing it. If you're like that, then you don't know what this episode is about. This turned out bad. Let me record in peace. Um, today's episode is um, my testimony. My, um, yeah, my testimony, my salvation story. If you're like those, you know, the few minimum that would read instructions before they, you know, set up anything, then you would have read the description and you would have gotten a hint that this is my testimony. But if you're like me and every other Nigerian, you don't know what it is about. So this episode is about my testimony. Um, It's going to be a long one. I wanted to make this in parts, but... I, um, we have a lot to talk about in season two and it's not going to be 24 episodes this season. I think we're going to stick with just 10 or 15 episodes actually (laughs) in season two. So yeah, I'm not going to cut this in two. It's just going to be one episode and it's going to be long. My plan was not to make it extremely long, but... I talk okay I talk and I know I'm going to digress a bit but um, at the end of the day I do hope that the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this episode that it is not me that is heard but it is the Holy Spirit that is heard through me so yeah let's just get straight into it um, for many of you that don't know, I am Gabriela Adachuku Undweche. I'm Igbo. 
I'm 22 years old. I am the eldest of six children. My dad is Igbo, my mom is from Edo State. And um, yeah, I'm a mixed breed. So that's why when people see me, they can't really tell that I'm Igbo. They would, you know, stick with, oh, maybe Yoruba or Edo, but Igbo, they don't really guess it that much that I'm Igbo until they hear me speak. I have a little bit of Igbo tongue, or it could be even much, I don't know. But yeah, I'm the eldest of six children, and I was born in Edo State. I was born in Benin, but I grew up in Lagos. Most of my childhood was in Lagos, actually. And uh, my parents were, um, were middle class, were a middle class family. My mom had three girls. Then in 2010, she had my brother, my first brother. So we were just three girls for a while, for a while in Lagos. And back in the early 2000s, you know, 2001 to 2010, thereabouts, maybe 12, 13, you know, middle class, there was something called the middle class. There was rich, middle class, poor. Now, with the economy now, I think the middle class would be considered rich. That's how crazy it was. The economy was good back then, really, really good unlike now. So you could say that we were rich. We were okay. You know, we were fine financially. And um, I, being the eldest, I was a, um, I was loved. I was the, I'm the first child, so the whole love and, you know, stuff, it was, it was crazy. I, I got a lot of love and attention from family. Even though my immediate younger sister joined the picture or kicked me out of that seat after a year and five months. But then it didn't change anything actually. I was still loved and cared for by everybody. My grandmother literally brought me up. And before we traveled to Lagos, I spent most of, I think from, we moved to Lagos when I was five. I'm not so sure, but I believe when I was five years old, that's when we moved to Lagos. And um, I grew up here, started school here, and I was a very bright child. Did so well in school. That was up, up until primary one. Yeah, <laughs> primary one. But from age one, I was fast in everything that I did. At seven months, I started walking I had speed. I was I was very sharp, very very sharp. I still am. Let me not use the word was. I am sharp and fast. <laughs> um, so yeah, we moved to Lagos, and um, childhood was just you know it was good emotionally. My emotional state back then, I was happy. I felt loved. I was a child, you know. Little things that were there, I didn't really notice them because I was oblivious to those things. I was happy, always happy. Children are always happy, you know. And my idea of God back then was, you know, that big man in the sky that would send you to hell if you disobey your parents. My mom always used that line, don't lie, no, you will go to hellfire. <laughs> Not disobey your parents or you will go to hellfire. That was my idea of God, the person that would send me to hell if... I disobeyed my parents if I lied, especially lying. 
but yeah, that was my early childhood. Then I got to primary one. Um, I started getting older and things began to change. Um, first of all, academically, I went down. Like, this was someone that was in the first three. If I didn't get the first position, I was going to get the second. I never really took the third position. I never did, actually. First, second, back and that was a back and forth. But and getting into basic one, I was now receiving prize for most improved students. It's quite ironic, most improved, and I used to be first, second. So that was how bad I went academically. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. If it was play, or if it was emotional, or if it was spiritual, I, I don't know what happened, but I went down academically, and I kind of noticed a change in my father's attitude towards me. It wasn't that he didn't love me, but I just felt like it wasn't shown. I, I just didn't see it, you know. I felt like he didn't love me. That he, he didn't express his love for me like the way he used to. And I thought I was the problem. I thought there was something wrong with me. Maybe it was because I was doing bad in school. So I was probably a disappointment to him because my other siblings were doing so well in school, you know. And I'm the eldest. There's this thing about being the eldest. They always tell you, do well so that others will follow your footsteps. If you do bad, you have, you know, proclaimed doomed for the rest of your siblings. If you do well, you have opened the glory gates for others to succeed in the family. You know, that's the African mentality about firstborns. <clears throat> so I felt that I was a disappointment to my father. And at that point, I started having daddy issues. I was quite young. But I didn't, I didn't know that it was a thing, that there was something called daddy issues. I didn't, what is that the issues to a nine-year-old, eight-year-old? But I knew back then, as young as I was, that something had changed. And that my father that used to carry me and swing me around, there was something off about our relationship. And the devil took opportunity of that to make me feel unloved to make me feel inferior. I had low self-esteem. I didn't believe in myself. I just felt like I was a failure, a disappointment. And now that I'm older, even though I still feel that way, I realized that my dad had always been like that. He has not been the kind of person to express his feelings. He's not the overly affectionate type of person that would hug you, kiss you, and stuff like that. He did that when I was a baby. And because I'm a baby, you know, they do, they kiss babies all the time. But I've gotten older, and what's the point of still doing that? I love you, I love you, that's it. I don't need to say it to you, I'm your father. I provide for you. You know, that's his way of showing you that he loves you, providing for you, giving you a house to live in, provide, giving you food, paying for your school fees and stuff like that. That is his definition of, I love you. He doesn't need to say the words. And it's the way he was brought up. So I didn't you know, realize that that was it back then. Now I do. 
But back then, the devil magnified it in my face that I was unloved. And so, feeling unloved, I started looking for ways to get attention. And I wasn't getting it from the person I wanted it from the most. I was growing, I started maturing at a very young age. I was tall, cute girl, you know. <laughs> the boys in my class liked me, and I knew it. I knew that people liked me. I was a good kid. I was not so good academically, but I was a good girl. I didn't want to have any problem with anybody. I didn't get into fights. Even if I did, I would always get vindicated because Ada is a good girl. She doesn't look for trouble. She's quiet. She's reserved. Very peaceful person. It's always in my report card. She's a very good girl. She just needs to improve academically. That was the only, that was the only bad thing about me, that my academics were that bad. But character-wise, I was good. I didn't like sports. I wasn't the sporty type. Very reserved. Cool with everybody. You know, and people liked me boys in my class liked me and as little as I was I saw that and I used that to my advantage in the sense that <laughs> innocently actually we were going home or we would be going home and the boys in my class would flock around me oh, let me help you carry your bag I'll carry your sister it was it was adorable <laughs> it was really cute and I enjoyed it I enjoyed it I didn't have any ulterior motives then Back then, it was just, you know, innocent. It was just innocent. They liked me. No harm intended. It's not my fault that I'm fine, you know? So that's how it went. That was how it went for a while. Daddy issues was there. It was just lingering. I was getting older and, you know, my horizon was broadening. I get into just one. I'm 11 and it's a new world for me, a new opportunity to do well in school, to make my parents proud of me. But, you know, life happens. So in getting to school, my mom was the only one funding my fees because I went to a school against my father's will. It was a Catholic school. And, oh, I didn't say this earlier, my parents are from two different um, religious backgrounds. My dad is Anglican, my mom is Catholic. Childhood, we're jumping between both churches. And my dad is not the religious type. He goes to church, but it's like, it's not, I won't say he's a Christian, basically. He goes to church because, you know, this is his family's thing. He grew up from that place, from the Anglican church. That was where it was brought up. He went to a seminary and stuff like that. So it was already, it was already part of him. He just has to go, you know. But he wasn't, you know, the religious, he wasn't a Christian. My mom, on the other hand, was lukewarm and she's Catholic, you know, and <clears throat> she being Catholic, she would always take us to the Catholic church. If my dad was not interested in going to church, he would take us to church, 6.30 a.m. as my sisters and I are awake <laughs> by 6 struggling to oh, keep our eyes open and we're going to 6.30 a.m. as I think due to the um, security issues back then, I think women who went very early to church got their things stolen, some were raped, you know, some were kidnapped. The archbishop changed the time from 6.30 to 7 a.m. So it was good for us. 
So we were always going there, we were juggling between them. And my siblings and I grew to love the Catholic Church because my, we always spent, I, like I said, I grew up in Benin before we moved to Lagos. So we were always going to, my, to the Catholic Church with my, grandma, my grandparents, my mom's parents. So yeah, I went to a Catholic school. My dad was against that and he didn't pay my fees. Apparently my mom defied his um, authority as the man of the house. And so my mom was funding, <clears throat> she was funding my fees. And if you know Catholic schools, you know that the money there, no be beans, it's big. I was paying 60,000 for school fees, an additional 10,000 for extra lessons because I, I wasn't good academically, you get. So the lessons were helping me out and I was still, you know, a good kid. Always smile. I was always smiling, like it was creepy. I was always happy. Even though I wasn't happy, I was always happy. I was always happy, always smiling. The teachers knew me as, oh, that fine girl that loves to smile. She's so respectful. My classmates knew me, oh, Gabriella is so nice. She smiles a lot. Because I started using my English name in secondary school. Oh, she's so nice. She's this, she's that. She's so fine. That was, <clears throat> excuse me, that was my, um, that was my, um, what's the word? That was who I was. You know, a good kid, smiling type, beautiful girl. And I started having crushes at that age. I had two admirers who were best friends, who were fighting to get my attention. It was very cute. And because of that, by then, I was, my daddy issues was increasing. Like, the older I got, the more I realized that, okay, there's something wrong. My dad doesn't love me, you know. <clears throat> and um, when I was about to get into just 2, my younger sister was entering just 1. She wrote common entrance and... My dad took her to our village, Anambra State, to go to a boarding school, which I, fo I followed her there. I had long hair. I was I'm a fine girl, okay? I was just 11, but 16-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 17-year-olds were seeing me as one big auntie, one rich kid, <laughs> one rich auntie that is in the uni, at <laughs> the university. When I told them that oh, I'm just 11 years old, they were shocked. I, I was I looked that big I looked that big and because I wanted to make my dad happy I wanted him to be happy because the owner of the school the principal of the school back then was my dad's cousin the school was owned by um, is owned not was is owned by the Anglican diocese in Anambra State in my um, in my local government area near South so the school belongs to the church, but my auntie was the principal. So there was connection, you know. My sister wrote entrance enter because she was entering through Jess 1, but I was going to enter through Jess 2. Now, mind you, Jess 1, my mom was paying my fees in a Catholic school in Lagos, day school. I go with my dad and my younger sister to the village to see my sister off and the excitement in my father's face, the gleeness in his eyes. They were asking me, oh, do you want to stay with your sister? Do you want to come here? Like, I wasn't seeing any other person's face apart from my father's face. 
like the look in his face he was like excited happy when they asked me that question and i just couldn't say no i i just couldn't say no and being a child then i didn't realize that accepting to do what he wanted was going to cause my mother to get hurt in return one person had to get hurt and my mom was going to be that person i realized the gravity of that decision when i got back to lagos and my dad broke the news that i was going to start just two in that school in anambra state boarding school and the look on my mom's face she was sad ah it was bad i felt terrible but i didn't i i was i felt bad but i was happy that i made my dad happy that he was pleased with me that he was happy with me you know sky it was i can't i can't really explain it but I was glad that I made my dad happy even though my mom wasn't and that's the sad truth and prior to that whole thing I I was um, about to start school like day school the Catholic school and I had made this prayer that was the first time I actually like knelt down to pray about something in my life like apart from the general prayers we have in church and in school, like personal prayers, I knelt down. And what was my prayer point? God, please, I want these two boys in my class. And who were the two boys? The ones that were fighting over me in just one. Like, out of everything that I had to pray for, that was what was on my mind back then. <laughs> that was what was disturbing me. Like I prayed so hard. I wasn't speaking in tongues or anything, but like the sincerity in my heart, I really wanted them to be in my class. Why? Because I wanted the attention. That was what I wanted. I needed the attention. I wanted the glee, the excitement, because I believed if they were in my class, I would enjoy my stay in that school. And God being merciful, but God being kind, he answered my prayers. <laughs> Because I had traveled with my sister, I didn't resume um, the day everybody resumed. So I resumed the second day on a Tuesday and I got to school and one of them was already in the class that I was put in, just to be. And that same day, the second boy that I, had a, that I liked, or, yeah, I liked that one. I had a crush on that one. I had a crush on both of them, you know, but because they liked me more, I liked it. Like weird stuff guy so the second guy came to school that he resumed that same tuesday with me and he was put in the same class with me at that point i was like baba god now you do this one <laughs> i was so excited i was so happy that my last week in that school like i got to see my two loves for the for the last time this i I stayed in that school for just one week. And the next week, I was shipped to Anambra State to boarding school. So, yeah, that was my parting gift from God. <laughs> he had to give me that because he knew 
this daughter of mine is going to be shipped to an all-girls school. I need to give her a little something. And that's what happened. I got shipped the next week to a boarding school. I didn't have a phone there, so I couldn't even keep contact with any of these, these people. I could not keep contact with any of my friends back then. We lost contact. It's just few of them now that I've been able to reconnect with and that we talk very well now. So boarding school, crazy, crazy stuff. Now this is an Anglican school, different environments, all girls school and I learned a lot in that school. That was when I realized, it was in boarding school, sorry, was in boarding school that I understood what Jesus was talking about when he was referring to the Pharisees as brood of vipers, as hypocrites. I saw that a lot. Ah, I saw that a lot. I saw that a lot in boarding school. I saw that a lot in boarding school. It was, it was crazy. In both students and in teachers, I saw it a lot. But apart from seeing that, I also saw that Age did not matter to God. That if you if you were willing to sacrifice your life, to surrender your life to God, He would use you for great things. I saw girls younger than me, girls older than me, girls with the same age with me doing great things for God, having relationships, personal relationships with God. You know, giving words of wisdom, prophecies. I saw it. I saw it, and even though I wanted that even though i was confused back then on what i was seeing because there was not really proper guidance let me put it that way there was not really proper guidance yeah there was not really proper there was no proper guidance to like someone someone that was sincere i didn't see anyone sincere enough to show me that lifestyle because some of these girls, their parents were um, reverends, Anglican reverends. Um, some of them were pastors' children. Not all of them, though. Some of them, they came into the school and they caught fire. Some of them, from home, they brought the fire to school. Some of them, they brought fire from home. They came to school. They turned into another thing. No, different people, different personality. So me getting to this school, I was still a good kid, but academically, I was bad. And the Undweche name, I was soiling it because my aunt had two daughters who had already graduated from secondary school. And these girls were fire academically. So me coming into the school and soiling the name because I wasn't doing well academically was a big disgrace. I was a good girl. You know, I didn't give anybody issues. I was not bullied tell me to fetch water for you, I will fetch water, kneel down, I will kneel down, highest I will cry, I won't snitch on you, you know. I wasn't bullied, but I was not the typical Undweche who was, who is good academically and bold, outspoken. That was my sister, and she ended up getting bullied because of she was a true Undweche. I was not a true Undweche, you know, but yeah. And in my school, there was this system that if you are a good kid, but you're not doing well academically, you're a bad person. You're bad, you know. The reason why teachers didn't really hate me was because my aunt was the principal. If she wasn't, I don't think any teacher would have liked me, despite having a good behavior, you know. My sister was doing well academically, and people liked her. Teachers loved her because she was smart, intelligent. 
the only thing I held was my good behavior and thinking. That was the only thing that made my stay in that school bearable. Singing, joining the choir. I sang very well. And yeah, that was what made me sing in that school. That despite me wanting to go home every time, every time we were on break, I didn't want to come back. But because of the choir, I would endure. I endured for four years, from JS2 to SS2. And the choir was one of the things that kept me, apart from my friends too, because I made friendships there too. And um, since this was the all-girls school and I wasn't getting any male attention, I had to get attention from every other person. And the best way I could get attention was singing and being sick. Now, there were days I was actually sick and there were days I faked being sick. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. That was how bad my um, desire to get attention was. I was willing to fake sickness, to faint, to act like I'm having a seizure just so that I can get attention. Just so I can get attention. It was, it was it's a messed up, messed up something. Was very messed up, and um, that was how it was for me. You know, I was singing, I got attention from that, but that wasn't doing much. You know, wasn't doing much. So I was falling sick all the time, being sick. The only sickness that I didn't have was, you know, hernia and um, appendix. But um, pneumonia. Oh God, I will be vibrating. <laughs> I will be vibrating just if I want to. Die. Some days it would actually happen. I would feel that cold and you know to be bad. It got to a point where I started faking chest pain that I actually started having chest pain. It was crazy. Oh my goodness. It was crazy. There is life and death at the tip of our tongue, guys. Like what you say can happen. <laughs> hey, oh God, let me not even go into it. Like I faked chest pain to a point where I started having chest pain. That small breeze would blow. I want to die. It was that bad. I faked it till I made it. <laughs> it was that it was that bad. It was that bad. It was that bad. So that was how I was getting attention. And I was neither here or there. I was not a bad kid and neither was I a good kid. Now, what do I mean by that? I had friends who were, you know, what we, what we used to call spirit coco. The, you know, spiritual girls, the ones that would go early in the morning to class and have quiet time. They had journals with their devotional, like the archdiocese, the diocese devotional that our bishop always wrote for every year. No, yeah, for the first for the first quarter before we get the second one, sometimes it could be just the whole year's devotional, and every student was as meant to pay for every new um, session. So these girls would go; they would leave the hostel on time, go to class, and be reading their Bibles. Like I was like, I was intrigued, you know. I thought that, you know, Christianity was meant for, you know, adults. Like, I'm, I'm young. I should not be doing this. That was my mentality. But I saw girls my age doing these things. Younger ones, too. 
going very early to class, praying, doing devotional, quiet time. I, I was, it was, it was intriguing. So I had friends in that, that position. And I also had friends who were like the bad kids, you know, the ones that will be twerking in class when they were doing evening prep or night prep. The ones that will be talking about Korean movies. The ones that will tell you about one of their escapades, one of their boyfriends in the, in our brother boarding school and stuff like that. I was also in that place, but you're neither here or there, you're nowhere. Like, if you're not here, you're not there, you're nowhere. You know, you can't be lukewarm. You can't be. And everybody knew that. Everybody knew that. I tried to avoid confrontations. You can offend me, but I would, you know, swallow it and be all smiling. The name that they gave me in SS2 was Pikiwe no Gewahala. I was everybody's friend. And being everybody's friend means you're nobody's friend. You know, you're nobody's friend if you're everybody's friend. Even though I had some solid friendships, I I was really nobody's friend. I didn't belong anywhere. Even though people were scared that I would snitch on them because my auntie is this principal. I wasn't like that. I was not a snitch. Even if I was, I would not want to become one because the mob would kill me, you know. So that was it. Lesbianism in boarding school was, it was kind of subtle. I won't, like, to them it was high, but when I hear stories of lesbianism in other schools, it was subtle in my school. I even got tagged a lesbian in SS2 because of one little misunderstanding. Very funny story. Very funny story, but I got tagged as a lesbian in SS2, and it didn't make sense to me, though. I was sick and my friend stayed on the same bed with me and somebody said that I that we kissed. It was it was I'm like I don't understand. Everybody is saying I kissed this person that we kissed, we kissed. Me that are talking like me that did the act, I can't remember doing so. Is it that it was in fact guy, it was it was funny. It was funny. I didn't have any school mother or anything. I didn't nah. I was cool with everybody. My auntie scared, my auntie's presence in the school scared people away from me, like scared bad things away from me. Kinda, kinda, kinda. I say kinda because I still got a, you know, little, little things happen here and there, but it scared some major issues for me in school. So before SS2, SS1, Ending of SS1, I go back home, summer lesson, and I meet this boy, my first boyfriend. He was really sweet to me. I didn't like him that much, you know. It just, he was a clown. He made me laugh, and yeah, he gave me attention. And being, a, a, being an attention-seeking person, I liked the idea that this person was giving me attention. And if I had to fake being his girlfriend to get my attention, so be it. And I did. I did. Now, he was in Lagos. I was going back to the village to boarding school. So we were not really a couple. Nah, we were not a couple. We're not a couple. That's why it's very hard for me to even call him my ex because we're not in a relationship. We were not in a relationship. So SS2, I'm done with SS2. I, we get picked from school. We're going to travel to Lagos the next day. And that day, 
my dad's sister tells us that, oh, you people will be moving from Lagos. Your dad has built his house in Oakland States. <laughs> I had a phone then. I was already on Facebook. I don't know what was wrong with me. <laughs> I chatted off my supposed boyfriend and said that, oh, we're leaving Lagos. We're moving to Oakland State. We can't do this relationship again. I'm breaking up with you. That, those are not my exact words, but you know. I tried to make it in a subtle and stuff like that. We won't see it again. Oh, I love you. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That was how I broke this young man's heart. Ah, was a bad person. Shall I? I dubbed him on Facebook. Okay. Very bad. <laughs> very, very bad. I was a child. Like, any person, if I see a 15 year old trying to act like they're they are adults. I'll shut up, yeah, baby, keep quiet, you don't know anything. Honestly, back then I felt justified. But now that I'm a lot older, I realized that I was just throwing tantrums and that I was a baby back then. I was a baby back then. I was. I was a baby. So, we get to Oregon State, new school. And I'm um, mending a broken heart. <laughs> That was what I was saying because when I got there, I started getting attention to from other guys. And there was this particular boy that was pestering the hell out of me. Oh, God. This boy was all over my face. I was tired. Like, be my girlfriend, be my... Today. So because I was being bugged, I said, fine, okay, you know what? Let's do this thing. You're my boyfriend. And that was how it happened. That's how we started. I did. It was when I got to that school that I realized that I was not dumb. I had never been dumb. I just didn't want to be in that school. And if failing was going to get attention and make me get shifted out of that school, I was going to do it. I realized when I got to Oakland State that academically, there was nothing wrong with me. <laughs> there was nothing wrong with me. I was doing myself. I was doing myself. Apart from the fact that it was a very competitive school. It was a very competitive school. You know, with the way they always called out the last 10 in every class and the first three. I was always calling out in the last 10. Ish. Third to the last. Fourth to the last. Fifth. Eighth to the last person. Last 10th person in the class. That was, that was, that was me. That was me boarding school that was me so because of that you know humiliation everybody was on their toes every term on their toes trying to push themselves so that they won't get called out at the end of the term so when i got to this school i realized that i was in them i was just doing myself because i was doing well in this day school i wrote my gce myself and i did excellently well so i wasn't it's not as if i was dull and me just to myself. So, this person was over my face. Started dating. No, we were not dating. We were just playing with each other, honestly. Because we didn't do anything. I made sure nothing really happened. And my character changed in this school. I was very cold, very firm, very angry. Apparently, the pent-up anger I had been serving, I, I had been saving for four years in boarding school just came out. I was very aggressive. Like, if you do anything to me now, we'll give it back to you times two. 
there's nothing you can do. If you talk one, I will talk ten. I will bash your head. I will slap you. Like, don't do anything funny in front of me. Who are you smiling? That was how I was. And they now made it very easy for me to show authority and show power by making me the assistant head girl. Ah. People feared me. Oh, Lord. I was the most feared student in that school. Literally, the most feared, the most feared I was. And I was the only SS3 student, so I was practically in the same class with SS2 students. She gets. And they made me assistant head girl. I don't know why, but that's what they did. And when students see me, they run, they fear. They liked me, but they feared me. So that C finish, I made sure that C finish never entered the story. So, um... I write GCE, I wrote YEC, but was issued my YEC, wrote GCE, I get into uni, and I break up with this boy over the phone again. Oh, I'm in school now, I can't do long distance relationship. <laughs> what does a 16 year old know about long distance relationship? Oh, God. But that was what happened, and yeah. I was on Facebook then, and that was when I got introduced into porn. Apparently, I was chatting up with someone, a girl who was a lesbian who was making advances towards me, and she started telling me about masturbation and porn, and I was interested. One thing leads to another, I started watching porn. Masturbation follows instantly. So now this this now became my new thrive, my new, um, yeah, my new thrive. Became my new drive. Just a few months into getting uni, I get into a serious relationship. Now this person is not a child. This person was a lot older than me, seven years older than me, you know. And in the Nigerian law, that is child abuse. That person will be tagged a pedophile because I was 17. This person was seven years older than me. You get. So, yeah, the person will be tagged a pedophile. But the world we live in, nothing really happens. And it was, you know, it was a relationship. It was a serious relationship. And we kept it to ourselves <clears throat> for some time. Yeah. So I was watching porn masturbating and I was in a serious relationship with somebody that was way older than me and I just got into uni 100 level I was destined for doom <laughs> I was destined for doom so 2019 <clears throat> I got admission 2018 I think October but there was a strike so I didn't resume till March I got into university of Benin March to go for clearance. Classes already started, so you know, pa pa pa. I started attending classes after running around for some days. So I'm in school, uni, and I think some months later I meet some people who introduced Christ to me. They introduced Christ to me, and personally, I did not accept Jesus that day. I will be honest. I just said that prayer because I wanted them to leave me alone. I was going to buy Indomie and egg. Good one from Aboki. 
I was a rich kid back then, 100 level, oh God, I had money. I wanted my Indomie and egg. I wanted to go back to my hostel to enjoy it with cold Pepsi. Cold Pepsi. That was, that was the plan. But these people had to stop me on the way, start preaching Jesus to me. And I'm like, okay, I will accept Jesus. If that is the way people will leave me alone. I've accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. <laughs> and I didn't know that I was implicating myself. I didn't know that that single act was what was going to implicate me for the rest of my life. So I, I pray with them. Oh, they pray with me and they speak in tongues and I'm like, what is what is going on? What's this? What are they saying? That pretending Reverend Reverend said this thing that all these people, all these Pentecostal people, they used to they'll be using words and jamming it together and say they're speaking in tongues. <laughs> that was my idea. But yeah, you know, I didn't want to be rude. I was still trying to be a good guy. I didn't want anybody to beat him because I'm in no man's land. So I did all of that. They invite me for programs. I go and I see a new world entirely from the one I've known all my life. In a new environment. This is not a Catholic church. This is not an Anglican church. This is a Pentecostal church. Different. You know, and I saw this way these people would jump and shout for joy. They are singing. They are all over the place. The man of God comes on stage and they are screaming. I'm like, yeah. What's going on? You guys acting a movie. It was it was scary at first, but with time I got used to it and with time I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to fit in. But I was living a double life, you know. I was in church and they would preach to me. I would act all sober and calm. Waiting day my mind I go still do um. That porn, I will watch it. Masturbation, I go do um. That was that was me. That was me. I wasn't ashamed of this thing. I no, not say I was not ashamed. I was ashamed because I didn't tell. I, I I wasn't broadcasting it everywhere. That oh, I watch porn. No, I wasn't proud to say that out out loud. But I was doing it regardless. Do you understand? Constant um, meetings. I started attending the church, and one day I just started speaking in tongues. It just happened. I'm like. Ah, what's going on? And that becomes my new language. Like, I want to pray. I can't even speak English anymore. Tongues. Back to back. Because that was the, the church I attended. That was what they did. Whenever I want to pray, we don't, like, pray in our understanding. It's not all the time. It's tongues. Back to back. Tongues. Every single prayer point. Tongues. So it just happened one day. I didn't even know how it happened. It just started. I just started speaking in tongues. It was not after a while when I like, wait, 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 wait. I'm not speaking English. I'm speaking in tongues. It was exciting. You know, it was exciting for me because it just happened. I don't know how it happened. It just happened. It just happened. It just happened. And so I was going to this church then. 200 level COVID hits and we're at home. Now this brought a shift in my relationship because we we're not distant. This person was in Benin, I was in Ogun State. Long distance. But it didn't stop anything. We were still going hard. I was diving deeper and deep. that was when I actually sunk or let's say got addicted to porn and masturbation. 
that's when I like got addicted to it during COVID because whenever I got emotionally stressed out, that was my drug. That was my drug. That was what I used to calm myself down. I'm sounding very <laughs> it's it's like I'm excited to say it, but it's the truth. It was a drug for me. I was addicted to it. It made me calm. Honestly, it made me calm. It made me calm. And that is, it's not a good thing because at the end of the day, I would still get back to feeling the way I was. And I'll be like, okay, I'm feeling this way. Let me use my phone. Let me check out this site. Let me watch this stuff. Let me do this thing. That was it. It was an addiction. It's a very bad addiction. And the more I did it, the more I felt somehow about it. Like I, I was attending a Bible Bible I mean, Bible um believing church and they mentioned these things. RGO mentioned these things a lot. And you know, daily, the more I heard the word, I was like, I need to stop this thing. But it wasn't like it was hard. It was hard for me to stop. It was hard for me to stop. So after COVID, I get back 200 level. Things just went downhill for my family. 2020, then 2021. Financially, my parents were down. Things were bad. And when your parents are not sending you money in school, I'm as good as rich. Your girl was broke. I was going to school for my grandmother's place. It was stressful. Nobody was listening to me when I told them I can't stay. I can't be going. It was hard. It was hard. And at that time, my um, boyfriend was going through his own phase too, financially. And there was a family member who was down, like sick, very bad. This person was in and out of the hospital like... They were going to the mall. It was it was terrible. I was it was dark times, really dark times. 2020, 2021, dark, really, really dark times for for me and this person. Really dark times for us. And so um that was what happened. And 2021, I was like I began to I was like, see this relationship, I don't think I can do this thing. No. I started getting greedy. I started getting greedy. My daddy issues were already high, and this person was focusing on his family. This particular person that has been sick, this person he was pumping his money into this person, into the hospital, drugs, everything. I wasn't getting the attention I was looking for. Uh, because I wasn't, I was in, I was depressed, I was angry, my greed was increasing day by day. And I was lukewarm. I didn't believe, like, I was speaking in tongues, I was in church, but I was lukewarm. My, I didn't have a relationship with God. There was no relationship. He was just that big man in the sky, you know. Even though I was speaking in tongues, I had the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That was our relationship. Don't come here. Don't don't near me. I won't near you. I'm in church. That's enough. You know. That was it for me and God. That was my relationship with God back then. So, because of all of this 
overwhelming things. I didn't look to God. I started looking at man. And literally, I was looking at man. So I was like, okay, I need money. I need to get another relationship. I need to get money from anywhere, anything possible. And one thing leads to another. I start doing manifestations. I go into new age, witchcraft, literally. And I start manifesting things. I start listening to subliminals. Now, if you don't know what subliminals are, they are it's a part of new age where you listen to affirmations which are repeated in a very fast frequency. But you have to listen to them at a very low volume because um, the more you listen to these affirmations, it gets, um, what's the word? Let me just use the word, it gets um, stuck in your mind your subconscious and the it pulls the gravity of this stuff pulls the universe to do what you want i can't really remember how they described it that day that year what supplements about like this is what it means you know affirmation i tell you speak it to come to pass speak it the devil knows that when you speak he will do something you know it's always told to speak it speak it speak it because there's power in the tongue the devil uses that tactics, that tactics to speaking, listening. So over and over again, I was listening to subliminals from my academics, for relationships, for money. I was attracting rich boyfriends, rich men, sugar daddies. I was attracting a, um, a modeling job, a modeling career because I wanted to model. I was attracting um, good grades without reading. And when the devil wants to pull you into his trap, he will do those things for you to make you think that this works. This is where I should be. Did I get what I wanted? I did. I was getting money from different places. The ones I would flirt with, the ones I would not flirt with, the money would come. The modeling job finally came. And guess what? When that modern job came, that was when the devil trapped me. And how did he trap me? Now, this modeling job, I was not just, I was not going to be a runway model. I was not going to be a commercial model. I was supposed to be a bikini model. Now, not just a bikini model, but I was going to be modeling for a magazine, a porn magazine. Now, So the job was to work for a porn magazine. Now, if you know porn, like if you've heard about porn, if you've had an experience with porn, porn is actually into two. There is actually three. There is literal porn, porn, porn. oh God. <laughs> there is literal porn, there is magazines, and there is the film, the film. So I was going to be in the category of the magazine. Now, for the magazines, they take naked pictures of you. They take pictures of you having sex with someone, you know, stuff like that. And that was the modern job that I was manifesting. Now, um, mind you, I was in a relationship and things were going sour between us. I was just being ungrateful. Like, I was... I was, I believe I, I, I was possessed that period. 
I was possessed that period actually. I mean, this one is not that I was like my greed came with spirit of greed and lost. I was possessed, full blown possessed during that period. So I didn't have any sympathy or anything. Like I didn't care. If you don't have the money, then get out. That was that was it. And this person was good to me. You know, this person was a good this person is a good person actually. Person was good to me, but just going through issues then, and I should have been a form of support to this person, but I wasn't. Now, prior, prior to that time, when the whole issue started, I think um, ending of twenty twenty, yes. I got so angry with God that things were going bad and I prayed a serious prayer. Wow, what an episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you did, please share your thoughts with us on our email, emmetpod at gmail.com. That is emmetpod at gmail.com. Do not forget to subscribe if you haven't. Share with your friends and family and please rate the podcast. Have an amazing weekend. See you next Thursday. Bye.